Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. We started the series last week called Loving Life, Loving Life. And we talked a little bit last week about partnership and what that means. And if you missed it, I encourage you to go online. We, have, we actually have a podcast. You can go on Spotify or, or on Apple or wherever, wherever you go or to our church website. And you can listen to that. Um, but we talked about what it meant to, be, to partner with Christ. And now th- this week we're heading into Philippians chapter 2 where Paul, he's, he's continuing this whole theme of what it means, this, this life. You know, we talked last week about how Paul had endured everything, right? He, was, uh, he endured so much hardship, but he was still able to maintain that it is good to be in the presence of the Lord working for him. So this week we're in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and if you have your Bibles, you can flip there, or if they're on their phone, you can kind of poke it, and, uh, or you can just watch up here. Let's, uh, let, let's uh, follow along. Philippians chapter 2, and I'm, I'm going to read 18 verses here. They're all powerful. Let's, let's look at them together. Paul writes, So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy... By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in what? Humility. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he did what? Humbled. Humbled. Is that that up there? He humbled himself. That's a key word for the day. Think about that. Being in the very form of God, he humbled himself. Humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, As you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Verse 14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. How many times did my mom quote that to me growing up? How many had a mom like that? Don't complain, God said that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad." And rejoice with me. Jesus, we thank you for your word today that is life, that is light, that is power. 
that if we will receive it today and apply it, we will be transformed by the power of God in us today. So, Lord, speak. We, your servants, we are listening. Use us today. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen. So as the Apostle Paul is coming into this, coming out of partnership, he's starting off by, he's, he's pointing to the fact that as followers of Christ, that when we are filled with the God, with the power of God, that we are called, we are now enabled to be an example, or in other words, to be an influencer. How many have heard that word influencer? The word influencer got really big during COVID, right? When we're all trapped inside and we're all watching screens to see what's going on. Can I see some friends? I want to see somebody today. Influencers became very popular. Now, they were popular before that, but this is when it really rose up. And and oftentimes, that's why when we hear the word influencer, we think about the social media influencers. These are people who, by and large, they work really hard to build a platform by either having expertise in an area or getting attention, and in the process of doing that, they can monetize it to make quite a bit of money. And now, while there are, there are good influencers out there, and there are some wonderful experts, we don't have to think too hard to think about how there are influencers that are willing to do anything in order to get attention because they want to monetize and build their platform. And we don't have looked very much further to know how destructive this can be. But Paul, he's pointing to a totally different type of influencing, something totally different, and he's teaching the church that by being, a, by being a person of influence is not about any of the stuff that's outside, it's about reflecting who Jesus is in us. It's about bringing focus on Christ. And he's pointing to what happens when a person, when they're totally taken over by the Spirit of God, when we're filled with the presence of God, and I love that song that Aaron led today where I, there's nothing like you, Lord. I just want to be where you are. See, when we live in that way, this is what we're talking about when we're talking about loving life. Because loving life isn't about being led by just the things that we see around us. It's about putting our entire attention, our entire focus on Jesus Christ and saying, Lord, be in me today. Help me to focus on you. And see, people who are loving life these are people that they're thankful for all that God has done. And, and when you see those people, they're like a magnet. I mean, have you ever been on somebody that they're just so filled with the power of God that no matter where they are, no matter what's going on, they are filled with the joy of the Lord. Not a superficial joy, but a genuine, sincere joy of the Lord. Where they've, They echo those, those words of Paul where it's like, in life, in death, wherever I find myself, God, I just want to be with you and I'm trusting, I'm walking with you. And see, Paul, he's leading this church in Philippi, the Philippian church, towards something, towards this example. And, and he lays this out in the middle of chapter 2 when, when he says that your call is to shine as lights in the world. That as a follower of Christ, as a Christian, as that devoted follower who's becoming and making disciples, that the result from that is that you are called to shine as a light in the world. And I got to tell you, I've, you know, I, I started saying this about 20 years, I, I would say it here, we used to have a choir over in that corner, and, and I would often say to the choir in that room, it's like, you know what, it takes so little to, to shine for Jesus. It takes so little to, to stand out in, the, in this world. And I think even more today that when we walk in the ways of Christ, the opportunity that we have to shine is just immense. But after all, this whole aspect of being an influencer for God, this is a biblical model. 
If you look back to the, to, to the Old Testament and you see how God formed a nation for himself, the nation of Israel, one of the main reasons why he did that was so that the nation of Israel would be this example that would show to the world who he is and how to approach him and, and the holiness of God. And then when Jesus came, he came and he, he said that, he, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm, I'm the truth, and the life. And then parents, parents are called to influence their children when in Proverbs it says that you're to train up a child in the way that they should go. And even as the body of Christ coming together growing up in church, I had pastors and Sunday school teachers and, and Royal Ranger teachers, only there in, in Canada was under a different name. And these were all people that invested in my life that poured, the, 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 the spirit of the living God was pouring through them, laying out, for, laying out in my life as I was running and jumping and stealing candy from my neighbor. They still chose to do that. And their influence was significant. Because after all, one of the reasons why God calls us to gather together today, to be together as a body of Christ, is so that we can encourage one another, that we can influence one another. That's why it says in Hebrews 10 that, that it says, let us think of ways to motivate or encourage one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord is drawing near. See, we need to be encouraging one another because we need it. There are so many things that oppose us that are fighting against us. So many voices in our head, so many voices on social media and wherever you go that we need the body of Christ to surround us. And not only that, you need to be here helping people out as well, walking around encouraging you. It's so good to see you today. I was praying for your job interview this week, or, or I, I knew you were going to the doctor. How's that going? We need, we need to have people in our life that are following up, that are texting during the week, that are encouraging one another. This is the value of the body of Christ. And when you dig into it, when you're faithful to it, you get to experience that. So this is the influence that Paul is talking about. And he doesn't just talk about it. But he shows us how to do it, and he comes to the, this, this area that is so important of how we become this godly influence in people's lives. And it's right here in Philippians chapter 2 when it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So in other words, Paul is saying that to this whole question of how you shine like the lights, how, how you become this person of influence, Paul is saying you got to work out. you got to work out. you got to be working out. And this whole idea of working out when it comes to Christianity or when it comes to our walk with Christ, this is often a surprise to people because they're like, wait a minute, I thought that the gift, that salvation was a gift, that it's not something that we work for. And that's true. Salvation is a gift. I mean, Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. You can't earn your salvation. You can't earn your walk with God. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough talent to earn the gift of God. That's why it's a gift. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because we're his children. But, Paul says here, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, what is Paul talking about? What does he mean when he says, you, you've got to work this out with fear and trembling? It's obviously very significant. What Paul is talking about, he's talking about strengthening. See, your life is a gift from God. Every person that is born 
Every soul, every life is a gift from God. Now, this is your opportunity to look at the person next to you and say, you're a gift. Now, make sure you know them because that could be kind of creepy if you just do that to someone new, right? <laughs> and then say, sorry, I didn't mean it that way. Or you can do the Canadian way, sorry, sorry. Say, yeah. See, it sounds nicer, doesn't it? Every person is a gift. <laughs> You're here, not by any of your own doing. It is a gift from God. But you know that if you want to make the most of your life, what do you have to do? you got to work. you got to apply yourself. If you want to get good at music, I mean, how many hours have I spent at this piano? And there's still more to do. If you want to get good in academics, you want to get good in business, you want to get good at athletics, I mean, pick it. It takes a lot of work. How many of you found that life has, there's a lot of work to be done out there? Raising kids. Is it a lot of work to raise kids? <laughs> right, yeah. We'll have a support group later. I love my kids, but I love you guys. You guys are awesome. Anything worth doing requires a lot of work. And it may sound like, well, you know, is this Captain Obvious, Dwayne, where you're just stating the obvious things? I'll, I'll tell you. Would you agree with me that the world we, we live in misses the obvious things? <laughs> right? Yeah. And see, Proverbs, it's, we miss it so much that the Proverbs are filled with all these references to warnings against laziness, against not being willing to work. And Paul picks up on this in, in Colossians where he says, you work hard and everything that you do is unto the Lord, even enduring pain, which brings about righteousness. And in our walk with God, in 2 Timothy, it says that we're to study hard, to show ourselves approved by God, so that we will not be ashamed of our work. And even in 2 Corinthians, it says, it says to this point, if anyone is not willing to work, they should not eat. There's this establishment all the way through that the way that we're made, the way that we function, is that it's important that we apply our best, that we work hard. This is how we grow. So why is working out so important? It's so important, and God made us this way, because we know whatever's not used, whatever's not engaged, is lost. I mean, you've, you know, you, you've heard the, the, the cliche, right? You've got to use it or you'll lose it. And this is true in everything. I mean, if you just park a car on the street out in the rain for 10 years and come back and expect it to start up, well, good luck to that. The rain, the rust, the bugs, the, the vermin will destroy it. And even our own muscles and stuff, right, <laughs> that we have. When we don't use them, we lose them. That's why when you go through a period of rest, if you've been through some trauma, you got to go through physical therapy. I've, I've talked to several people this morning going through physical therapy, and I'm like, it's good. It's painful, but you need it because the body's got to re-engage. You've, you've got to get going with what's going on. See, muscles get soft, machines rust. Even non-flowing water gets stagnant and becomes unhealthy when we don't do it. And even as it relates to, being, to growing, it's, I think it's important sometimes to recognize, again, stating the obvious, but if we're trying to get healthy, sometimes we'll sign up for a gym membership, right? But how many know it's not enough just to buy the pretty clothes? It's not enough just to drink the protein shakes and to sip on Gatorade. And it's not even enough just to be around somebody who's really working out and look at them and go, you're really doing a good job. All that's good, you're in the right place, 
But until you get with a trainer that teaches you how to stretch, how to warm up, how to do those things, and until you get on the treadmill, until you actually start lifting consistently over time, right, one workout session doesn't make you healthy. It's a step. Just like one piano lesson doesn't make you Mozart or Bill Evans or whoever. See, we need to engage because if we don't engage, we'll never change, we'll never be transformed. God's called us to be transformed, but sometimes we think God's just called us to be a tourist. What, what, what do tourists do? Tourists come in, they go, wow, Seattle's amazing, it's beautiful, it's normally July and August. They come in and they see it and they look around and then what do tourists do? They, they leave. And we're happy to have them come. I can't wait to sell them a whole lot of coffee someday. There's nothing wrong with being a tourist except when it comes to our walk with God. Because see, tourists, it's not going to make you transformed. And sometimes I think one of the toxicities that happens as it relates to the body of Christ in the church is that we come to gatherings like this and instead of looking to be transformed, we're a tourist and we're like, as long as the music's good, as long as Pastor Dwayne is funny, if he says one more Canadian joke, I'm out of here. As long as people are nice to me today, then I'll be here. But the minute somebody looks at me wrong, the minute something goes wrong, I'm out of here. That's a tourist. How many have ever been hurt by somebody in the body of Christ? I'm raising both hands. I have. It's okay to say yes. It's okay to even say that I've hurt you in some way. And I'm sorry for that. But family, have you been hurt by family before? Have you been hurt by a best friend before? Do, do you know the people who are now my best friends today are people that we've been through stuff? Where they said something to me that I didn't like or I said something to them and we did this and we worked it out and we came back. Do you know what happened in that? We became stronger. We talked. We worked things out. We confessed our sin to one another. We walk through whatever the stuff is because that's the body of Christ. I mean, look at how many times Jesus had these interactions with his disciples. He looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan, and then later said, I'm going to build the church on this rock. He confronted Peter for saying something that was against the will of God, and then he brought him back. That would be pretty hard to recover from, I think, if Jesus said that to me. But look what happened to Peter. Look what he went on to do. Look what he went on to build. And there were other things in Peter's life too. If you read through, you'll see all these things that happened to Peter where Peter needed some correction. He needed some training and then he went on. But when we work through it and we put Jesus at the center of it and we walk through and we work out, this is what happens. There's a strength that takes place that even the gates of hell cannot stand against it. If we stay engaged, if we come in and say, I'm done with being a tourist, I'm gonna plant my feet and I'm gonna be a part of what God is doing wherever that is, here, Africa, downtown, wherever you find yourself, at your job. This is about planting our feet and saying, God, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? Because, see, when we go from being tourists and leave that, we are now transformed. 
And that's a transformation that lays out through our family, through our friends, through everything a part of it. And when we do that as a body of Christ, and the body of Christ comes together, now we are being a part of one of the most effective agents of change in the world because this is what Jesus built. This is what the disciples built. This is what the early church built. This is what Christ died for, the body of Christ. See, there is nothing more effective than when the body of Christ comes together and partners together as one for the glory of God in the world. It is powerful. That's why you can mark the health of any city, any community, any town by looking at how healthy are the churches here. There's so much data, so much research, but you can mark it. I mean, even our own city, and we talk about this all the time, but you can look to Anywhere, when Christians showed up, people following Christ, people filled the power of God, they started building hospitals. They started building schools. Humanitarian works of feeding the poor and clothing here in Seattle as well as globally is predominantly led by Christians, by Christian organizations. And there's even organizations that I've looked at and looked on the website, and I'm like, I don't see anything that's, that talks about God here. And then I'll meet the leader. I'm like, they're a Christian. <laughs> they're, they're leading and they're following because that's our call. That is our call. And you want to talk about being around people that are loving life? Start getting around people that are giving it all, serving the Lord faithfully, no matter what. I have people in my corner that have never left my corner, no matter what I do, that they're like, Dwayne, yeah, I don't like where you're walking right now, but I'm here cheering for you, praying for you, <laughs> correcting you, <laughs> coaching you. And now these 50-some years later, those people, they're still there. Do you know what level of trust that builds? Do you know what level of confidence that builds? This is what Paul is talking about. And when we're in a world that is so broken that have had people just leave them, that show up to take what they want and leave, you get a community that's like, I'm standing with you through the power of God, Jesus flowing through me. It is attractive. That's why Jesus said, you will know them by their love, by the way they love each other, by the way they walk with each other, by the way we treat one another. It is a sign of Jesus in us. This is my prayer for Shoreline Community Church. There are people who have given up. They've given up on Seattle. They've given up on this area. They're like, man, it's just, it's going down, 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 down. Do you know who Jesus cries over? He weeps over our cities. The Bible says he wept over Jerusalem, but I, I believe when Jesus looks at the city and he sees the lost and the broken, he's looking, like a son, he's looking at a son and a daughter that has walked away from him, and he's saying, who's going to stand? Who's going to be there? Who's going to be in shoreline? Who's going to walk through these areas and allow their lives to be filled with the power and the love of God? And I'm saying, Jesus, I will. I love this city. You've called me to this city. Stephanie and I have said that many times that we feel such a strong call to the city and such a strong call to Shoreline Community Church and to see the power of God, his love flowing through this place as we build a body of believers. This is our call 
to be an effective witness in our community. And I'm telling you, there is nothing like it. Is it hard? Yes. Does it hurt? Yes. Are there times when you're just sitting down in a corner going, oh, it hurts? Yeah. But there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And here's the thing. At some of my most discouraged moments where it's just, Lord, does anyone know? Does anyone care? Do you know what turns me around? Just one conversation with one person that I see has taken some steps towards Jesus. I can't tell you how much that affects me. I talk to one person, and they're starting to walk in Jesus, or they're like, you know what? I'm seeking the Lord, and now he's telling me to walk this way. Or I'll see one relationship come back together. Or I'll, I'll, I'll be hanging in Starbucks, and I'll have this spiritual moment. Or I'll be down in Greenwood, down at Herkimer, or I'm going to stop at all the coffee houses I go to. But all these places that I go to, and I have one opportunity to share. No matter what has happened that day, that week, that one opportunity to talk to somebody and see Jesus in the middle of it, it lights me up. And I'm like, my tank is full. This is what Paul is talking about. That life-changing power of Jesus flowing in your life. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. So how do we do this? Well, Paul points to it. It's obviously is the power of God, the power of Christ in our lives. But Paul points to something very key in the middle of this, how we walk this out. And he says, how do we do this? He says right at the top of the chapter, verse 3, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Paul's saying, you want to walk in that way, you got to humble yourself. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Wow. See, transformation in our world does not come by putting yourself first. If you put yourself first, you are in for a world of hurt. See, transformation comes from following the example of Jesus, where Jesus said, even though he was God, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, the worst way to die. And this is why Jesus in Matthew 16, he said, if you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give it up for my sake, you will save it. See, those who are loving life, being an effective witness for Christ, they're not the proud. They're the humble. See, pride seems like it works for a while, right? How many have seen very proud people seem to have success? And I think sometimes we see it so much that they're like, man, maybe, maybe I just need to be more confident and just kind of, you know, maybe, maybe this pride thing's really working for them. Maybe we need, we need to kind of walk in this. Because see, pride, it seems to work for a season. But those who've walked any, any miles or roads at all, they know that it doesn't because sin doesn't work. But there's this attraction because it seems to have this initial excess, but you'll eventually implode. I mean, that's why Solomon said that pride comes before destruction. And haughtiness, which is arrogance, it comes before a fall. 
You come across somebody who is committed to their pride and to their arrogance, you better stand back because a big tree is getting ready to fall. One of the clearest warnings that we have in Scripture is that God, He opposes the proud, but He gives grace or He exalts the humble. We see this in Psalms, Proverbs. Jesus talked about it in Matthew and Luke and then James and 1 Peter. On the other hand, have you ever been around somebody who's just, they're walking in humility? Now, these aren't the people telling you how humble they are. (laughs) It's like an expert. If I have to tell you I'm an expert, I'm probably not an expert. But the people who are really humble, I mean, I could list some of our dear saints who are now in the presence of the Lord. I mean, you get around them, and it is just life-changing. See, I've been around so many here at SCC who they've given their lives away. They've sacrificially given financially. They've sacrificially given other talents. They've sacrificially just been there when nobody else was and nobody knows except them, the Lord, and those in leadership. I've had people come up and say, Pastor Wayne, I, I, I want to do something significant here, but I, I want you to say, don't, I want you to promise, don't tell anybody. I don't want to get any glory for it. Just humble people. They come early. They stay late. They're always thinking about others. They're giving their life away. See, this level of humility, it's such a huge standard in the world that we're in because it's so rare. So rare. See, we're taught to take, take care of ourselves. And there's a biblical premise of, you know, eat right, get sleep, all those things. The body's a temple. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those that say, you know what, I, I, I just, I got, I got to put myself first. I got to look out for number one. I just got to be who you are. Just be you. Know what my response is? I need to stop being Dwayne. <laughs> There's enough of Dwaynes out in the world. My goal is not to be more like Dwayne. My goal is to be like Christ. Because, see, Dwayne has a bunch of hurts, hang-ups, fears, insecurity. Dwayne gets tired sometimes. Dwayne has challenges sometimes. Dwayne doesn't always think before he speaks sometimes. How many have that challenge? I don't need to be more like Dwayne. I need to be like Jesus Christ. I need his life to be in me. I need his power to be in me. See, we're all made in the image of God. This is what we need to be embracing. And in order to do this, we need to do what what Jesus said. We need to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And it sounds so counterculture, but that is the only way. I'm made in the image of God. If I'm to walk in the way of Jesus, I need to deny myself and be like Christ. See, everything comes back to this. It's humility. So as I wrap this up and as the worship team comes back today to lead us in time of response, how do we acquire this humility that God calls us to? This level of humility humility where you you deny yourself and you find that strength, it first of all requires that we recognize that we need humility. I want to read another C.S. Lewis quote to you because this is powerful. Here's what C.S. Lewis said about humility. In mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said, if anyone would like to acquire humility, 
The first step is to realize that one is proud. I wish I had an English accent because this is powerful. C.S. Lewis said, nothing whatever can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. If anyone would like to acquire humility, the first step is to realize that one is proud. See, pride takes a lot of forms. I went through a time in my life where I was like, man, I just, I'm not proudful. I'm not conceited. I think I'm very humble. And the corrective spirit of God came right into the center of my life. See, I had pride, but I was hiding it. How many of you are really good at hiding your pride, right? You go, oh, no, I won't take that last cookie. Oh, no, I won't, you know. Way before social media, we were good at posturing and positioning ourselves to look good. But see, Jesus sees the unknown things, even the things, as we echo the words of David, Lord, reveal to me my unknown sin. See, in some shape or form, we all struggle with this. That's why those who oppose Jesus most strongly, he looked at them and said, it's your pride. Sometimes pride looks like our inability to trust, our inability to say, God, I, I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you. Because when we don't, with our unknown pride, we're saying, I know better than God. That's like the ultimate level of pride, isn't it? God, I know better. Instead of humbling ourselves. See, if we continue to fight for ourselves, we're going to lose and we're going to drag everyone down with us. That's why we look to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to lay aside my pride. He's the only one that can lift you up. But the first thing he does, he says, will you humble yourself? Will you deny yourself? Can you recognize that you don't know as much as God? Can you recognize that God is infinitely more capable of loving you and your family than you ever are? A failure to recognize this is a form of pride. I know, I've done it. So what does this look like? Just very quickly, Paul says this. He says, first of all, this type of humility is unity. We're in Philippians 2.2. He says, be of the same mind in one accord. In other words, he's saying, part of humility is being one because that takes some work. You want to be part of a family? You want to be part of community? It's going to take some humility, isn't it? And then he says, you need to love others. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So it means that I'm looking at for you more than I'm looking at for me. And not just because I'm pastor, but because I'm a child of God. And then he says this, and he says, I want all of you to knock off the complaining. No complaining, no grumbling. So die to yourself and don't complain about it. <laughs> like, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus so much. <laughs> no. 
It's like, Jesus, I trust you. I'm going to follow you. That's why in the last book of the Old Testament, it says that our call is to walk humbly with our God. Dying to ourselves. I love Pastor Rick Warren, and I'm going to end with this. Pastor Rick Rick, Rick Warren describes humility this way. He says, humility is not about thinking less of yourself. We're a child of God. But it's about thinking about yourself less. (laughs) And boy, is this a great lesson. Because see, here's what I've found. When I walk humbly with God, I'm not focused on myself. Do you know what happens in my life? I'm no longer insecure. Because if I'm leaning on myself, that's a very insecure, unstable thing to lean on. So I'm going to be insecure if I'm looking at myself. If I'm leaning on Jesus, the solid rock, now my confidence is in him. Jealousy leaves me. I'm not thinking about how much better everyone else is or how much more they have or how much more talented or how much more whatever. Because I'm not concerned about them. I'm cheering for them. I'm saying, God, I'm just here to do whatever you want me to do. Jealousy leaves. Anxiety, that that fear of failure, that coveting, all these things leave because I'm not focused on myself. If I focus on myself, insecurity, pride, anxiousness, start listing them off. But when I'm a child of God, when I was a little kid walking with my dad, I wasn't worried about what I'm going to eat or what we're going to do or having to perform or any of that. I was just walking through the woods with my dad. I was looking forward to fishing or hunting or doing whatever all the things we were because I'm with my dad. I trusted him. I was walking with him. And the more I listened to him, the better time I had, no matter what. See, this is our call. In all that we do, to be influencers, to let our light shine for Jesus by walking humbly with our God. Working out, not being afraid when we get sore sometimes or sweaty from the workout. We're saying, God, you're you're strengthening me. You're getting me ready. God has a work for us to do. He has a work for you to do. But he's looking at you and he's saying, all right, are you ready to work out? You ready to work out? Let's stand together today. Father, we thank you for your word that it's light, it's direction for us. And Lord, we hear this call today. Lord, that you're calling us to work out, you're getting us ready, there's a preparation, it's an ongoing. Lord, we know even when athletes become professionals, they often work out even more. So Lord, help us not to shy away from the work you're doing in our lives. And Lord, help us to humbly come before you, to deny everything, to trust you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to head into time of response. We have prayer team here. But in this moment, is there someone that's saying, I'm struggling with trusting the Lord? I'm struggling with trusting the Lord. There's stuff going on, and I'm just, I'm struggling with it. Would you just lift your hand? Is that you today? I just feel the Lord just speaking to me. I'm struggling with trust. Father, help us to trust you and to walk with you, to be led and prepared by you, I pray in your name. Amen. As you respond, there's communion. That's the act of surrendering our life, 
receiving the work of Christ in our lives. It's prayer walls. Come pray with somebody. But let's be about what the Lord would have us do. Let's take some time to respond today. I got to tell you, I am so excited about the work that the Lord is doing. Because I, when I find myself just in those quiet times with the Lord, I, I just sense his voice saying, get ready, get ready. I'm preparing. I'm getting you ready. I'm making you ready. And that's a great thing to hear from a coach. Right? When a coach says, oh, no, no, just, this, this, this is not for you. you need to. <laughs> but when the Lord is saying, get ready to us. Let me encourage you, as we've been talking about this today, the working out, the areas of trust. Before you leave this place, determine your mind, where is an area of trust that I need to walk in? Where's something that I'm going? Maybe you're doing it, but you're struggling. You're saying, God, help me to, to be stronger in this area. Or maybe you're like, I haven't done this thing yet because I'm struggling with trust. It's like the soldier that said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Before you leave today, Commit that to the Lord. And then a second step, find somebody that you trust, your confidant, whoever. And say, so you know what? This is what the Lord's speaking to me. Can you help me walk in this? Can you pray for me? Can you help hold me to this? Because I, I want to grow. Can we do that? So, Father, I pray for all of us today. We all have areas of growing. All areas are being stretched, shaped, transformed. Holy Spirit, speak to us now. You've been speaking, but help us to hear you. We want to walk. We want to grow. Show us those areas where we need to work out that faith with fear and trembling. Know that you are with us, walking with us in the areas of trust, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you for being here today. Don't forget, we're, we're meeting for prayer in the chapel at 6 p.m. It's just it's a one hour. We're coming together. We have the world's, world's greatest acoustic worship band is going to be there. And uh, just praying for a church, praying for the community, praying for Trunk or Treat. We've got Trunk or Treat coming up. Join with us for an hour as we pray. Amen. Here's, here's our benediction. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. I love you all so very much. God bless. God bless.